I'm going to read from the Old Testament. If you've got your Bible with you, I don't know if you bring Bibles, but if you've got your Bible with you, one around that you can use. Uh, I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 1 to, uh, 1 to 7. It's an Advent sermon, okay? Um, the title is To Us a Child is Born. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress, for in the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future he will honour Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So, I've got an Advent text. It's chapter 9, verse 6. If you wanted a slogan, Messiah is coming and Jesus is all you need. That would be my slogan, my title for this sermon. Thank you. First thing to say is, are you an, are you an Old Testament, a New Testament or a Bible Christian? You know, some folk just spend all their time in the Old Testament. Some folk spend all their time in the New Testament. But it's good to be a Bible Christian. Because, as I said earlier, the countdown is there in the Old Testament. And uh, this is one of the great sayings of uh, Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer. He said, the Old Testament is the cradle in which the Christ child is laid. Wasn't that a lovely saying? And if you ever saw a cradle, this would be it, wouldn't it? Uh, Isaiah uh, 9.6. Giving you all that. Um, what is a prophet? There's a good tight, uh, question to ask. What is a prophet? Um, when we look at this passage, it was written by the prophet Isaiah. And the first thing we say about a prophet is he was a man of value. A man of value. The oldest title for the prophet in the Old Testament is man of God. A man of God, an Ish Elohim. Um, back in First Samuel chapter 9 and verse 9, um, Saul's servant said to Saul there's a man of God in the town his name was Samuel and he's Elohim uh, a man of God it can mean you can look at it two ways you can look at it first of all as a genitive in English it's possessive it's, it's a man 
belonging to God, a man owned by God, possessed by God. Um, and that's a good way of thinking about it. And, and these prophets were possessed by God to bring God's word. Or else you can take it another way, you can take it as an adjective, you can take it as a godly man, a man of God, because in Hebrew they're short of <laughs> adjectives. <laughs> and one of the ways of conquering that problem, uh, as we'll see later, is to join two nouns together. If you want to say a fruitful hill, you say a hill of fruitfulness in Hebrew. You join up two nouns, you put one in dependent relationship and the other, and one becomes an adjective in English translation. So, um, a man of value, it was an Ish Elohim, it was a man who belonged to God, and he was a godly man. There was something about him, the prophet, not only in the words you say, to you so clear, to me so dim, but that in your presence brought a sense of him. And from your eyes he beckons me, and from your heart his love is shed till I lose sight of you and see the Christ instead. These men were people who walked with God and carried the aura, the flavour, the taste, the aroma of God about them. So he's a man of value. Um, and I point it up here, do I? He's a man of vision, that's the second word that's used in the Old There's actually two words used for his visionary aspect. Um, the word, the verb ra'ah means to see in Hebrew, and he was a roe. A roe is somebody that sees things. <laughs> Not that he had uh, hallucinations, <laughs> but that he looked at things from God's perspective. If you'd visited uh, Israel in the 8th century BC, you would have probably been impressed by the m massive building programs that were going on and the, the, the marvellous uh, ivory that was being used in the furniture and all that sort of stuff. And you, were, you would have wondered at the marble. But the prophet Amos was not at all impressed by that. Um, the tourists would have been shown the big buildings, but Amos was upset because the widows weren't getting what they're supposed to get, and because the poor man was—they took away his cloak so that he had no blanket to sleep with at night, and they swept up the dust in the floor of the granaries and sold it as wheat in among the good stuff, and they devalued what they were selling. That was. Unjust, and Amos was really upset about that. So he looked at things the way God looked at things. The way that God, as a special champion of the poor and the underprivileged, wanted to act in their interest. So um, he was a roe, and he was a jose. A jose is somebody who has visions. And quite often, and you read the, the prophetic books of the Old Testament, you discover there were visions given to the prophets. What do you see, Jeremiah? Oh, I see the branch of an almond tree. A wakeful tree, because there's a kind of Hebrew pun between um, the word for almond tree and the word for being wakeful. And my, I am wakeful, watchful over my word to fulfill it, God says to Jeremiah. What else do you see, Jeremiah? I see a boiling pot with a spout pointed, pointing from the north. And he said, I'm going to send an invader from the north and you're, that's what you see I'm not only in charge of the silent forces of nature and the everyday things and the, the quiet growth of plants and grass and stuff like that but I'm also in charge of the violent human forces of destruction 
God is Lord of all. And so the prophet is a man of vision. Um, that's the second thing about him. And then he's a man of vocation. The most frequently used word for prophet in the Old Testament is Navi. Um, he's a man who is calling to people in God's name. And we don't think there's a Hebrew basis for this word. We think it's a Mesopotamian basis for the verb Nabu, to call. And he's a caller. Now, you know that, well, as far as I'm not, I haven't ever been to a bingo hall. But I'm told there are people in bingo halls that are the callers, you know. They shout, two fat ladies are... <laughs> I like that stuff. They shout out all the numbers, right? He's a caller. He's, he's called a caller. Well, the prophet was a caller. He was a preacher. He was a proclaimer. He was a declarer. Got the idea? So he was a prophet, a man of vocation. Um, or else, that's what I've put up here. He had a special call. He wasn't just a caller. He was called by God. Amos said, I looked after the, the bandy-legged, uh, ugly-faced sheep of uh, the hills and I eked out my living by travelling down a thousand feet in the wilderness of Tekoa and squeezing, nipping, pinching, extracting bugs from the, 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 the sycamore fig tree but God called me from following the flock and God said to me go prophesy to my people Israel so it's the prophet we're looking at a man of value, of vision, and of vocation. And um, uh, they operated in this country. This is God's own country. This was Israel, north and southern kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom of Judah uh, were the operating areas for the prophets. And uh, there were major prophets and minor prophets. There were three big ones. The three big boys were Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. They were the major prophets. And then there were uh, 12 minor prophets. Um, and it wasn't that the minor prophets had unimportant messages. It was the length of the prophecy was the determining factor. Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel are big books. And uh, Isaiah, the big three... Isaiah, Jeremiah and Ezekiel um, and Isaiah has been called down through the years the evangelical prophet because there are more gospel texts it seems in Isaiah than anywhere else in the prophetic books of the Old Testament in fact some folk have said it's the Bible in miniature there's 66 books in the Bible 66 chapters in Isaiah <laughs> and there's a, there's a clear break in the text at uh, chapter 39 and uh, the Bible's divided into 39 books of the Old Testament and 27 in the New. Just like the book of Isaiah. And the central truth of the New Testament, the second half, is the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you read the Gospels, the Gospels are the most lopsided biographies ever written. When you read Mark, for example you discover that 27% of Mark's Gospel deals with the last week in our Lord's life. Nothing hardly at all about his birth, nothing about him as a child. Um, there's one incident in Luke when he was 12 years old, nothing about Jesus as a teenager, nothing about him in his 20s. When he was about 30 he started his public ministry, Luke tells us, and 
that the really important thing was the events leading up to his death because the central truth of the gospel is the death of Christ. The symbol of Christianity is a cross, not a chalkboard. Okay? So um, the Bible in miniature is there. And the second half of Isaiah, if you look at the middle chapter, the central chapter in the second half of Isaiah, you can work it out. It's chapter 53, which tells us in a wonderful prophecy about how Messiah is going to be a suffering Messiah. And all we like sheep have gone astray. You've turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> the iniquities of us all. So it's amazing to turn to this prophet. If I were writing a book on Isaiah, someday I would like to write a book on Isaiah and I would call it Two-Way Mirror. A mirror on God and a mirror on Isaiah's society. And you can bring it up to date. And I don't think there's a book in the Bible more qualified to fulfill these titles than the prophecy of Isaiah. Um, God's transcendence um, and God's eminence. God's as the, the God Almighty of heaven and the God who comes down to those who are contrite in heart and spirit. Hmm? Uh, this should move. Yeah, here's our text. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And for the rest of my time, I'll speak about that. I'll read it to you in Hebrew. You like to hear it in Hebrew? Here it is. Ki yeled yuladn lanu, bein netan lanu, wutehi hamishma, sorry, hamisra al shechmo, wajikra shemo, and you will call his name Pele Yuitz, a wonder of a counselor. El Gabor, a god who is a hero. Aviaz, a father of eternity. And Sar Shalom, a prince of peace. What a wonderful collection of titles about the Lord Jesus. Well, short of adjectives, well, if you say fruitful hill, um, you want to say fruitful hill of, hill of fruitfulness and here um, one scholar that I admire very much but he's uh, away home to be with the Lord many 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 years ago was a man called Alexander McLaren the, the Manchester Guardian used to preach his, used to publish his Sunday morning sermon every Monday morning in the, the Manchester Guardian newspaper in full, would you believe that? For many years he was a Baptist preacher in Manchester. And he suggests that what we have here, and I, I really, I go with him. We have four couples of nouns together describing the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? And who he is. Who is Jesus and why do we not need anyone else? Well, first of all, he's a wonder of a counsellor. We all need a counsel, you know. 
there's good advice and bad advice. You know, there's a, a, a corny lot of people. Apparently, the the, the interest rates they charge run about three thousand percent, and they're on the television every day in our homes. And you, if you follow them, you're going to follow the wrong way. If you're gambling on them, is it Wango or something? What do you call them? It's no Wango, is it? Wonga. Wonga, I've got. I'm a bit. I sometimes get a bit mucked up, you know. And <laughs> Wonga, the folk give bad advice. And the glorious thing about the Lord Jesus Christ is He gives wise counsel. In fact, He promised His disciples that He wouldn't leave them orphans. He said, "I'm going to leave you." Another counsellor. There's two words for other in the New Testament. One means another distinct from, in contrast to. And the second one, the second word, um, means another the same as. And that's what Jesus said. I'm going to send you another counsellor. Someone who will fulfil a ministry directly related to me another counsellor and he called them the the paraclete paracletos is the Greek word and para means alongside kletos is the passive of the verb kalio to call it means a called call alongside one my best translation it's not in any of the translations you read in the bible is the supporter is a supporter. Is Eileen's supporter? Is a supporter of the Russell family at this time? He's a supporter of us all. He comes right alongside us, the Holy Spirit of God, and he makes the Lord Jesus real to us, so that we're transformed into the same image as Christ, like somebody looking into a mirror and being changed. Paul says, "He's a wonder of a counselor." And that's why he's so wonderful. And that's just one component. We'll move on quickly. What else is he? Um, well, he's a counsellor for life, for the whole of life. Um, he's a counsellor for life's negative areas, as well as got life's positive areas. Um, to take it into some detail, we could develop that, but we're not going to this morning. And the second thing about him is this. He's a hero of a god. He's a, an El Gabor. Uh, a Gabor was a mighty warrior. Remember Gideon, the Lord says, um, Hail mighty warrior. That's <laughs> Gabor Hail. Um, a Gabor was a warrior. A hero. We all need heroes. He's Alan Shearer. He scores stacks of goals. My hero, when I, I was following the football in London in the 60s, when I trained at London Bible College, was a man called Jimmy Greaves. He scored over 350 goals in first-class football, and he was a wonderful... If he just got a glimpse of goal, it was a goal. Well, I tell you something about the Lord Jesus. He's a hero that will never let you down. He's someone you can come to as Lord and Master and Glorious Saviour anytime and be for you a hero of a God. Someone you can follow every day and someone, if you trust in Him, your trust will never be in vain. Now, 
I've been in Christian work. I left London Bible College 1964, and I'm going to tell you something. I have been disillusioned many a time by God's leaders and God's servants, especially Baptist deacons. <laughs> Don't tell them. But <laughs> well, I tell you something. I've never been disappointed in Christ. Never. Never once have I been disappointed in the Lord Jesus. He's a hero of a God. I better hurry up. Then the third thing is, he's a father of eternity. Mighty God, everlasting father. Um, old uh, Alexander McLaren says, a father of eternity. That's what the text is like, actually. It's um, a V ad until, and a father until means <laughs> the sky's the limit, you know? And his pardon. There's no limit. You know how there's a North Pole and a South Pole? You ever wondered about this? I'm, I've got very naive. Why is there not an East Pole and a West Pole? <laughs> and the most wonderful thing when you come to the Bible, it says, um, As far as the East is from the West, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. In other words, limitless. This fatherhood is limitless. And the Lord Jesus Christ takes up all the titles given to God the Father in the Old Testament. He's a father of eternity. Now, I realize I'm speaking against what the models are coming up just now in our society. But boys and girls need a father and a mother. That's the best, the best model for them. A father and a mother and we all benefit from the security of a father figure now my father he was totally different from most of you I think he was about 6 feet tall about 15 stone had arms like Popeye the sailor man and had hands covered in calluses because he worked with cold steel on the night shift all the time and uh, in many ways he wasn't a model father but he, was a, he did a whole lot of wonderful things. You know, when I was a kid, he made me a swing. It was a wonderful swing. When my father made a swing, he'd be swinging on it till kingdom come. He once bought a ducat and bought some fantail pigeons and put the ducat, a, you know what a ducat is, by the way? It's a home for pigeons, a dovecote. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a home for pigeons. And he bought these white fantail pigeons, put them in the ducat in the tree up from outside our old cottage that was built in the early 1700s. <laughs> and he did it for my amusement to see the white doves fluttering in and out then he built a, a freestanding rabbit hutch oh a terrific rabbit hutch it was, it was like the bungalow of rabbit hutches <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and one night uh, he used to come home in an inebriated condition every Saturday night and he went out to feed the rabbit now the rabbit he called it Percy I mean he had a rabbit called Percy well we had a rabbit called Percy and he went out to feed the rabbit and he never came back in and we found him standing fast asleep <laughs> leaning on this freestanding rabbit hutch you know <laughs> he died when he was 58 of throat cancer in the last 6 weeks of his life he couldn't speak and I've often thought, I, I wish he was still alive. I wish he would be here to see and meet Jean. I wish he'd be here to see the grandchildren. I wish he'd be here to share in all the things that we have had in God's blessings in our life.
But he's not there. And God has purified my memories of him, I have to say, which is a wonderful thing that God does for us. The older you get, the more he purifies your memories of things. And uh, it's just wonderful. But the great thing about the Lord Jesus Christ is he doesn't die on us. He doesn't die. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. And the letter to the Hebrews says, he's always there. He's a father forever. Better shut up. Um, isn't that wonderful? And then he's a prince of peace. We all need peace, don't we? Peace, shalom. It can mean well-being, it can mean welfare, it can mean goodness, it can mean bounty, it can mean rest. A whole lot of it's got a whole range of meanings, shalom. And in the case of his peace, the peace that derives from him, he said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. It's not a conventional greeting like shalom, like hello. Or as they say in England, how are you? You know, when I went to England, we were all saying, how are you? And I used to tell them how I was. And then I, re- <laughs> I realised they weren't interested in how I was. They were just saying hello, you know. <laughs> how are you? You know. It's not a conventional greeting, shalom, like you meet in Israel today. Shalom. Peace. It was a positive gift. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. It's a qualitatively superior gift of peace. And the New Testament verdict in it is peace through the blood of his cross. That's how we get peace. Deep down peace that lasts, that is independent of external circumstances. We all need peace. And he is the Prince of Peace for us. So remember, he's a wonder of a counsellor. He's a hero of a God. He's a father of eternity. He's a prince of peace. don't know what comes next. Oh, I have a response. What do you do to it in the light of all that? I mean, isn't that a spifflicating, mind-blowing, indescribable text in it, all its fullness? But what else can you do but worship? Fall down before him. My Lord and my God. What else can you do except believe in him? And trust him wholeheartedly for every issue of life and death. And what else can you do except say thank you? We love to teach our children to say thank you, don't we? It's nice when grandchildren children say thank you for something. And so often we're unthankful to God for all his gifts. Say thank you. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your kindness to us in the Gospels. We thank you for sending us this wonderful Saviour. And we thank you for all that he is and even for my pathetic description of it this morning, how we can never plumb the depths or scale the heights of all your goodness and grace to us. Help us to trust you. Help us to worship you. Help us to live for you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.